Broadcasting the best of retro and modern gaming. With your hosts, the incomparable Dinky Dana. And myself, John Peel of Mamecade. Welcome to Hit Reset Radio. Hello friends, it's December 6, 2013, and this is episode 14. Hey Dinky, how are you my friend? Oh, I'm doing great man, happy to be recording another one, how about you? Oh, same here. Well, I'm just finished up the move, the family's all settled in in the new digs. I'm in my new studio down in the basement, I've got a lot of work yet to do, but uh, I'm very happy that the majority is finally over, and I can get back to making videos and regularly putting out these podcasts with you. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, you moved from New York City out to New Jersey, right? Yep, I know. Listen, uh, no no back talk. Yes, I moved from <laughs> New York to New Jersey. I wasn't even going to go there. Don't worry. Well, I'm, this is not only directed to you, it's directed to the listeners because I'm sure I'm going to get a lot, a lot of stuff from that. But no, I, I moved out to New Jersey. It's, uh, it's a, definitely a beautiful location. I've got deer in the backyard. I've got hawks flying overhead. All my f- city friends are saying that I'm going to go crazy out here in the woods and I absolutely adore it. I love it. So I'm looking forward to the snowfall in the backyard and all the good stuff that goes with it. Oh, yeah. Your kids are going to love that, too. Well, that's the majority of the reason why I'm here. It's for the kids. Um, I love Brooklyn, born and bred, but uh, I want to give them a little something different than I had. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to love having a backyard, playing in the snow, building snowmen and stuff, you know, so that's, that's sweet. And now that you're in, we can record a podcast. Since the move, how was moving all the pinball machines? What went on with that? All right. Okay. Fact of the matter is I've sold a good majority of them. I, I knew it was going to happen at some point. I've, I've hinted it. It was going to happen. So a lot of them have been sold to raise cash. Um, and uh, in fact, tomorrow I'm, I'm heading back there to uh, sell another one because they're still there. Uh, I've got a guy picking up my South Park and I got another guy looking up my Simpsons pinball. He's going to take a look at it. So that's kind of a sour, sweet, kind of bittersweet thing. Um, I'm not going to sell every single one of them. I'm I'm definitely not going to sell my arcade games. Uh, When I get a chance, I'll bring them over. They're still there because they're the big, bulky things, and I don't trust moving men to move them, so I'm going to have to grab some friends in a van and bring them over. Yeah. Sad you got to sell some, but, you know. Yeah, it's it's really annoying because sometimes (laughs) I misplace the keys, and here I am. I've sold it. The guy's coming, and I realize I've misplaced the keys. The only way you can open the coin door and all that stuff is you need the key. Yeah. So I find myself like within like half an hour, the guy's coming. Here I am with a with a, a, a titanium bit drill, drilling out the locks <laughs> in hopes of getting a new lock in there before the guy comes because I've misplaced the key. And then after I fixed it, the guy comes over and I find the key like on the ground right next to me. And it yeah, just drives me nuts. <laughs> like, I've got shavings everywhere, metal filings in my hair, in my eyes. Don't mind those. Those are uh, those are nothing. Uh, here's your machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a nice shiny key. Uh, don't mind that the machine is only you know twenty years old, but the key looks good. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I you saw my video that I just recently put up. I I couldn't believe it. I was going to a job interview, um, just on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, and I go. I got my full suit and tie on and everything, and I go into this interview, and I get to the front desk, and I'm sitting there, and I have to sign in, so I'm writing my name, and the guy's like guy sitting there says i recognize you from somewhere and i'm thinking oh man have i met this guy before and like totally forget who he is he says i've been watching your youtube videos for two years at least <laughs> he's like you're dinky dana right i couldn't believe it it was it was crazy uh, uh 
your first taste of stardom. Yeah, I was sitting there laughing. I'm like, that's probably the first guy who knows my full real name. <laughs> is, is that the first time that it's ever happened to you? Uh, well, no, it happened I'm out at the flea markets. Yeah, I mean in the wild, like in a non-gaming situation. Yeah, yeah, that's the first non-gaming one. That's awesome. Cool. What a, what an ego boost. Yeah, that was pretty cool, you know? And then I didn't want to tell the people when I went up to the interview, and I didn't want to talk to them about it because they said the guy before me, the position that I'd be taking, left so he could join a buddy in a video game project. Holy so I was crap. like, I better not even bring that up. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. The interview went pretty well. I've been interviewing for jobs. I'm thinking about switching places, but uh, went on two so far and got offered two jobs. So I get I got some choices. Wow, that's amazing. You know that you you're very fortunate that you've got two potential people ready to take you on. When I think they announced it's seven uh, percent unemployment right now in, yeah. in the states. One was out in Harrisburg, and I was like, eh, I don't want to move to Harrisburg. <laughs> oh, you would have to move for this new job. For if I if I would have taken that one, yeah, I was in Harrisburg. But uh, Metal King seventy nine, he's always listening to our podcast. He would have liked that. I could have hung hung out with him. He works right out there. <laughs> oh, okay, that's right, that's right. I've only been to Harrisburg once, and it was at an auction. It, it was a very quiet kind of. It looked like uh, not a ghost town, but I guess the the neighborhood that I went through was very quiet. I couldn't find anybody open, so I was like, I wonder where I was. Yeah, it's a smaller place. Yeah, another thing, too, this past couple weeks, speaking of running into uh, YouTubers and stuff, I hung out with Gamester81. I'm sure you saw that in my video. That's awesome. Yeah, I met him out in uh, out in Vegas for the Classic Gaming Expo a couple times, but he wrote me, I mean, with his work, he uh, he travels around and stuff, so he said he was coming into Pittsburgh for work and said, hey, do you want to meet up? And it kind of stunk because he came during the week, so... No flea markets or like he came. It would be have to be uh, after work, so none of the thrift stores were open or anything like that. I took him out to uh, Ides Entertainment. I did a video on it a while ago, but it's a huge comic book store. It's where uh, it's where my dad used to go to buy Mad magazines when he was growing up. <laughs> wow, that's been there a while. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. The same guy still owns it. It's basically four floors. One is completely dedicated to comic books and like old old comic book figures and stuff like that and then they got dvds a floor with records and cds and it's just a really cool store after that we went to get a permani sandwich maybe one day you'll get me one of those oh yeah i hope so yeah anytime you come here we'll go get a permani sandwich and i i posted up on, i'm a lot closer now yeah true i posted up that we or in the video we got, we got one of those and i didn't think anyone would know what it was but i guess since that man versus food people know what it is now and then uh he actually came back over to my apartment he wanted to uh do like kind of a game chat thing he likes doing the thing where he records and it has like a small small chat like an interview type of thing so we did that yeah and he actually let me play his uh his game did you saw that he had a kickstarter coming out right so you got a preview of the gamester 81 game and i gotta say i, I posted on i posted on facebook after i was like it's pretty awesome they were like, oh, are you just saying that, or is it actually good? It's actually good. I was really surprised for a uh, ColecoVision. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty awesome game. I'm really looking forward to getting the cartridge version, because I just played it on an emulator that he had. But uh, yeah, it's funny. It's got his hat on backwards in the game and stuff. <laughs> like, has, has anyone seen John's head like without the hat ever? I Well, I have, because I've seen him in person. <laughs> That's probably he, he took off his hat for you? I mean, I've seen him in person. He's been in my house, and he never took his hat off. Yeah, I don't know why. I have seen him without his hat on. 
but uh yeah he threw in all kinds of like cool stuff like right in the very beginning when the game boots up it actually says in voice like gamester 81 <laughs> or like if, <laughs> if people uh bought the special editions on his kickstarter it'll say their name instead he even threw in some tie fighters because you know he's a huge star wars nut he's got his youtube channel star wars nut 77 but uh yeah he threw them in just as a kick and he he was pretty proud of it he was over here and he was like once you get to the second level, make sure and check out the TIE Fighters, you know? <laughs> nice. I don't know. I mean, I think it's really neat. I got I got two packages in the same day, a week after I hung out with Gamester. And they were from a Happy Console Gamer. That was his DVD, the movie. And then also, um, my friend Golden Jellybean, she puts up YouTube videos on how to crochet things. She sent me that uh, crocheted mushroom that is always in the background of my videos, you know? You've seen that before, right? Yep. I've seen it's right behind your shoulder. Yeah, she did a Kickstarter. She wanted to make a book to uh, teach people how to crochet things. And, I mean, it's really cool. She comes up with all these patterns on her own. And, you know, just seeing YouTubers putting their projects into production is really awesome. So it was cool to be able to, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, why are these YouTubers asking for money? But, I mean, I look at it as they've been providing me with, I mean, Happy Console Gamer, uh, Gamester81. I mean, I've been watching their videos for... I mean, Gamester was one of my first 50 subscribers, you know, and he's given me entertainment yeah. for free for what's that four years now. So me tossing in some money so he can make a an actual game. I, I mean, I have no problem doing that. No, absolutely. I agree with that. Oh, this just broke like hours ago. I found out that uh, Disney bought the Indiana Jones rights from Paramount. <laughs> the ramifications are huge. I mean, they now have Han Solo and they have Indiana Jones. Yeah, now what's your opinion on this one? Okay. If Disney would have bought it right after The Last Crusade, I would have been screaming upset. Yeah. But now that they bought it after The Crystal Skull, it, it can't get any worse than The Crystal Skull. So I'm all for this. I'm happy, actually. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, <laughs> when, Disney, when Disney got Star Wars, I was like, oh, no. And and then the, I saw this one. You put this literally right before the podcast. I thought about it for a second, and I was like, "The last Indiana Jones was so terrible." Yeah, it was horrible. It can't get any worse. So this is actually going to be an improvement, and it's good to see some new blood. You know, I want to see what they come up with. I'm I'm willing to shell ten dollars to sit and see a Disney Indiana Jones movie. I'm cool. With I, that. I'll check it out. I don't know. Normally with Disney buying them, I'd be like, "Oh no," but. I mean, that last one was so bad. That... It's so bad. It's unforgivable. <laughs> oh, another thing I was I was reading about recently was, uh, did, did you see that Google patented liking things in real life? Okay. When I saw that you mentioned this on our notes here, I, I had to look it up. So <laughs> I know. You, 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 basically, you have to have Google Glass, though, to make this work, don't yeah. you? Okay. So I've got the Google Glass on, and I'm looking at the world. How do I like something? Listen to this. You have to make a heart symbol over it. Like with your with your fingers? I hold my hands in front of my face over over Dinky Dana's face. Yeah. And that likes your face somehow. <laughs> I think it's more for like companies or something. But yeah, you have to <sighs> hold your hands over and like something in yeah. real life. I, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Well, who who gets this like? I mean, your friends? I mean, where does the like go? I don't know. I don't know. It'll link up with your Facebook or whatever. I, I have no idea. I just thought it was I thought it was so stupid. Well, I can tell you what a lot of people are going to be putting hearts around. If you can guess, I would imagine. 
Not not good stuff, I would imagine. I was wondering, what exactly are you going to say? <laughs> you know, I'm not, not going to say it, but you know. I mean, just recently when the PS4 went live with their their live stream, you, you must have heard about the guy and his girlfriend. Have you heard about no, that? No, I didn't. Okay, they, they have this live stream now, kind of like um, like Justin TV and, and all those other live streamers. Well, this guy was on camera just chatting with his girlfriend on the sofa. They were drinking beers. Next thing, she kind of falls asleep, slashes, passes out. So he lifts up her top and shows the world the goods. Next thing, it goes blank screen. And when it comes back on, she's completely nude on the couch. Oh, wow. Did Sony not expect this to happen? Really? They, they flipped out. They banned him, and now they're putting in protocols. What did you expect? <laughs> so this is another you know, wonderful idea of Google Glass. Ugh, I'm getting sick of it. Yeah, really, another, really crazy, another crazy uh, technology idea that I read about just, uh, just today was these Amazon drones. Oh, no, no. Yeah, and the thing is, I can probably tell from how you're reacting already, like 30-some percent of the survey that Huffington posted said that people <sighs> approved of it. Come on. Well, listen, then that means 70% disapproved. No, they said 21% disapproved, and all the rest weren't sure about it. <sighs> yeah. Good Lord. I'm like, okay. Good Lord. Okay, well, I, I was talking to my friend about this today because I knew we were going to discuss this, and I was just trying to wrap my head around the logistics to make this okay, work. Well, how let's go over in case anyone hasn't heard about this amazon drones amazon is planning on using these robot flying drones to deliver packages to people and their ceo said that they're planning to have this unveiled within like five years which i don't really see that happening but let's say in theory that they did they want to deliver their packages to you Within five years, by a drone. All right, so basically they're going to fly it to you from their distribution center within 30 minutes, and it has to be five pounds or less. Okay. So if I buy uh, the new fire or, or whatever, some expensive, crazy item that's under five pounds, I'm going to have it flying over my neighborhood. That's The logistics of that are, are crazy. It's going to have to fly over, I guess, major roadways. But then again, that's the long distance in battery life. So then it's the opposite is going to be cutting over all kinds of residential areas, schools, you name it. It just and, and do they need FAA approval for this? Uh, how high are they going to fly? How does it land in front of your door and drop off? What if you're not there? How does this work? I find humor thinking about this in that, okay, imagine this situation. It's trying to re- deliver to a building in the city. How is it going to deliver to yeah. a building in the city? I, I just imagine a drone like slamming into the glass trying to get into a building all the time. Yeah, knocking on the glass. Hello, hello, and, package for you. Then, hello. And then what if somebody wants to have some fun? They just pull out their like gun or whatever and they just start shooting them out of the sky. That's what I say. You go over my airspace. Uh, 12 gauge is my answer. Now, what I think we should do is you want to talk about Kickstarter? Let's start a Kickstarter for an anti-drone drone. <laughs> Where we can like go after them dogfighter style. It'd be awesome. <laughs> Take it down. Could you imagine drones going over like Detroit? Are you kidding oh, me? Oh, I know. It's messed up. I was thinking about it. I was like, so you place an order, but what if you're not there? You, you probably say when to start 
the delivery process. It's got to be. You place an order today, but you'll be there tomorrow because they can't just send it. What if you're not there to receive it in that 30 minutes? So it's crazy. And then when they start attaching cameras to them, then Google's going to take over and it's going to be like person of interest. They're going to be spying on everything. Dude, I don't like where this is all going. I don't like Imagine it. a Google drone that's the same as the Google car, but it can go anywhere. Yeah, well, I guarantee it. It's going to happen. I guarantee it. That's how they're going to map everything else. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Skyview. It's ridiculous. The one guy, here, let me see. He wrote on my uh on my post. I thought it was really funny. He was uh George Fernandez on Facebook. He says uh too many risk logistics involved and I was like I mean, honestly, if they already have the idea, it's probably going to happen. People said that about automobiles and airplanes, and I mean, it's they're probably going to be doing something in the future. We just don't know what yet. Just just to even think about it is crazy. And another thing that I thought was kind of cool and interesting use of technology: MIT hacked an Xbox Connect, a Microsoft Connect, and they made these shape shifting displays. I showed you the video right before this. What'd you think about that? Uh. Reiterate what I said before. I see this being used as a sex toy. <laughs> okay. I, I should just go to Dinky Dana's website and look at the MIT video he posted and then just put it in my context. <laughs> see, I, I should just assume that any of these things that I bring up, that should be one of the first things that I should think of. But to explain to anybody, pretty much MIT hacked in a Microsoft Connect. What they could do is those old – what are those things called where they were like a bunch of metal pins and you could put your hand under them and it would form to the shape of your hand? Yeah. I don't know what the name of that thing is, but it's, it's a lot of little pins that you can press against and it pushes out the pins, leaving the others behind. Yeah, basically they made uh, – they connected an Xbox Connect with pretty much a real-life version of that metal metal pins machine. And uh, so you could be sitting in your place waving your hands or any object in front of the Xbox Connect and across the United States or the the world even through the Internet, you can actually move things with those that machine that they made. And I thought it was really cool. I mean, it's crazy just to see that somebody hacked it and made something like that out of it. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I posted an article on it. There's a there's a video on YouTube and stuff. But uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But wouldn't it be more practical if instead of using these pins that can go up and down to move things around, wouldn't it be more practical if there were robot arms like diffusing bombs and stuff well, they, uh, rather than just, you know. Yeah, I mean, they've already done a lot of that stuff. I mean, I remember there was a there was a French movie called the it was translated into the diving bell and the butterfly. Mm-hmm. And it was basically a movie about um a guy was had that locked in syndrome where pretty much they it was, he was one of the first people he was in a coma but they realized that he could still blink so the guy actually wrote an entire book just by blinking they would have a nurse go a b c d the whole way through and he would blink when he they got the letter that he wanted and he wrote a full Whoa. book from a from being in a coma and then they they advanced that technology into where they actually found a way that someone could just think like if somebody was in a coma and they started thinking like, Hey, I'm cold. It would actually move the mouse on the computer screen and they started developing technology around that. So now people can do things with their mind and make it happen on the computer. And then right. another thing that they came out with from that is, uh, someone's nerves were messed up on their, on their arm. They're like their shoulder. So they couldn't move their arm. It was paralyzed. And they actually can, they bypassed the nerves in the shoulder that would have controlled that, 
and he could just think in his head through the computer and he could move his arm like yeah well i have no problem with real world you know possibilities that's fine that's great awesome as long as they're not drones drones scare me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just keep thinking of like uh futurama when you look up and all you see are these you know rows and rows of drones flying like the Jetsons. If you remember the old Jetsons cartoons, they were all like in lines just flying. I want to look up. I want to see sky and birds and maybe an occasional plane at, you know, thousands and thousands of feet. Yeah, I don't want to see drones buzzing over me with boxes that could drop at any time. Yeah, not, not Google look down at you or the government. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's too late. I already think Google and the government are already looking at yeah. me. They know. Google knows. You know me. Google knows what I'm doing. <laughs> We've gone through that before. Yep. <laughs> They actually called me down for another uh, another uh, product test, and I couldn't make it. But uh, they, they're still calling me to come down to New York to, to do tests on their products. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but they're not giving away cash anymore. Now they're giving away, like, silly coupons oh, for yeah. silly things. I got cash the first time. So you had some news with uh, Ninja Baseball Batman, huh? Oh, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Uh, a while back ago, I, I got to meet uh, a guy named Drew. And Drew works at Jersey Jack Pinball, and I interviewed him about the pinball machine that he was working on. And we got to talking, and he said, uh, you know, I made a game back in the 90s called Ninja Baseball Batman. It was a, uh, a beat-em-up. So we got talking about that, and I did an interview with him about that, and he, he said he's trying to make a comic about it. I was like, that's awesome. And he goes through a whole bunch of uh, details where he was trying to copyright the name, trademark the name, and back in the old days... There was no problem trademarking it. But today, they denied him three times because it's too confusing with Batman. Batman has become such a huge franchise now that they kept denying him. So he actually had to change the name to Ninja Baseball Man. He took out the bat. Oh, really? Anyway, he's making this comic. Yeah, that's, that, he's very upset about that, but uh, such is life. Uh, it's better than not having a name. See, that stinks, though, because so. it's a totally different thing. You know I mean? And he presented all those facts to them, you know, and in, in, in the game, there's four players. I even suggested, I said, why don't you call it Ninja Baseball Batman? Just to, you know, he tried that and they denied that again for the same reasons. Batman, anything that sounds like Batman, they said was confusing. So, so he got shafted. He did. So he had to take out the Batman and just call it Ninja Baseball Man, which is okay. So he's, he's got this comic that he's, uh, he's working on. He's up to, uh. Issue two, it's a digital comic, and uh, I saw the first issue, and it's, uh, he sent me a PDF, and he said, I'm sending you the second issue. Let me know if this is okay. And I thought that was strange to put it that way. Let me know if this is okay. I was like, uh, yeah, all right. So he sends me the PDF, and I'm, and I'm reading it, and holy crap, they have replaced a character in the comic who was a news reporter and they put John Pio of Mamecade in the comic. They drew me in the comic interviewing Ninja Baseball Batman or the alter ego of. And they've got me in like 20 different panels, various panels throughout the thing. And they've got Mamecade splashed across the place. And, you know, like I'm a news reporter for some kind of uh, uh, website called Mamecade.com that covers news. It's really, really honorable. And I, I, I was shocked. I was like, holy crap. That's why he said, make sure this is all right. Because. Because I guess if I had a problem with it and I said no, they'd have to redraw all those panels to get me out of there and change it. So that's pretty awesome. Maybe I'll, I'll take a, a quick snapshot if it's okay with him and we'll put it up on the website. You can yeah, see I want to see what you look like in there. And not only that, 
they, they didn't draw. They didn't draw the goatee. They got rid of the goatee. They gave me a clean cut look, which is fine. They must have looked at referencing some of my older YouTube videos before the goatee. Yeah, and the other thing that's cool is they put your site in there. That's sweet. They did. They did. They put mainkey.com. They they say it's John Pio from Mainkey, and I've got a, a microphone like a news reporter interviewing people. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. All right, so we're talking about Kickstarter earlier. Now, have you seen Star Wall, Just the Tip? Have you seen anything about that? Only very little. I went on and looked it up after you put that link in there. <laughs> okay. What, what it is is it's an independent game that they're working on, and it's about Norwals, you know, the whales with that one long tusk that looks like a unicorn horn, yeah. and they put them in space. And they're basically fencing in space. It's the most ridiculous concept, but it's a very, very fun game. And they're testing it in bars, which helps if you put games in bars. It always helps if you've got a little tipsiness going on. And um, there's a Kickstarter page on it, and it, I just find it. It's, it's just fun. Norwell, just the tip. The name, of course, you know, it gives you all kinds of it gives me all kinds of ideas. But uh, you should take, take a look at that when you get a chance. Wait, what do you mean they put it in bars? Well, they test marketed. They made an actual game and they put it in an arcade machine and they put it in bars so that people can play it. And then basically, I guess, by the way, if you liked playing this, here's our Kickstarter link. Would you mind contributing to get this into consoles and independent games? So not only are you downloading it and playing it or looking at videos, they actually have a physical copy that they bring to all kinds of colleges and bars, and they have people just go crazy on it. Yeah, I thought the controls were going to be similar. Put it in like a photo hunt machine or something. (laughs) (laughs) You have all these Norwals, and you're basically sparring with each other, and you're in space, and you can basically go in any direction. It's cute. I mean, I just found it really humorous, and I love that these indie games are coming up. Back in the old days, the creativity was just unbounded, and then corporations came and said, you got to make a game. It's got to be like this. And then once there's a hit, you have a million companies copying you know, Angry Birds, and you've got all these physics games that are basically clones of the big, you know, the big hit, and it's so monotonous. And now it seems that because of the indies and the freedom again, we're getting some lot of creative games that we were missing for years. Yeah, you'll see later. I, I played a bunch of games this month, and a lot of them are indie games, so we'll, we'll cover that. Another thing... I was watching this TV show. My brother recommended it to me, and it's called The Goldbergs. Have you heard of this show? Yes. It's it's only out this season. I mean, it's it just came out this year, and I was watching through. And my brother, I mean, we I, I grew up in the eighties. I was born in eighty two. So my brother was watching this, and he said so many of the things just reminded him of when we were growing up. So I go and I check out the show. It's on Hulu. They show the five most recent episodes. And man, this show is really funny. Pretty much what it is, is it's based in the 80s, and there's this kid growing up in the 80s, and back then he recorded footage, like the real guy who made the show recorded footage of his family. And they base all of the episodes off of his childhood experiences. So they got stuff like the one episode they were watching, Elf. The most recent episode, he was playing through Zelda. Finally, he played for like six months, finally made it to the end, and... He wanted to record the ending, so he paused it, and then later on, his brother comes in and just beats it. <laughs> like he just comes in by accident, and like they, and finishes it. <laughs> and they have all these toys that we grew up with. It's just a really cool show for anyone that grew up in the '80s. Figured I'd mention it. Tell everybody to go check it out. It's it's really good. It's kind of corny, 
But uh, it's pretty funny. See, when you say grew up in the 80s, you, you were born in the 80s, I assume? I'm talking. Right? Well, I mean, even the kids, like, in the show, I mean, they're a little bit older than I would have been. But, I mean, right. basically, right. if you right. were, like, I don't know, between, like, 5 and probably 15 or so, maybe even a little bit later in the 80s, it's pretty much catering right. to that crowd. Yeah, like, I, I really could relate to the show because I was born in the 70s. But by the time the 80s come around, I was 10 in 1980. So it's, like... It's perfect for me. Yeah. And everything in there is absolutely, yeah. I, I used to have one of those big honking video cameras that were the size of a bus that you used to have to put on your shoulder. And, you know, instead. yeah. So, but what that show reminds me of, I don't know if you remember The Wonder Years. Do you remember oh, that yeah, show? Oh, yeah, of course. It's, it's basically The Wonder Years, but in the 80s as opposed to the 70s. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I see a lot of parodies. And, and I had mentioned to you, the little kid, the 10-year-old kid who's filming everything, um, that's voiced by Patton Oswalt, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, which, which yeah. is funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the show's just, it's just really cool. Everything's tied together well, and it's just like a quirky, kind of funny show. I, I didn't see the episodes that you saw. I saw it on YouTube. Um, I guess it was like a combination. It was a professional trailer for it. And at the very end, they show the actual home video footage that the the creator of the show took as a child and they kind of put it against the television show version. And it's like, exactly. He has all these tapes at home, I guess, from growing up in the eighties. And basically, like you said, he modeled the episodes after all those original tapes. Yeah. And it's, it's funny too. Cause the one, the, whoever they cast is the grandpa, I forget his name, but they showed a clip of the grandpa in his real video from the eighties and it sounds exactly the same. It's the mother too. The mother looks the same. Oh too. yeah, and it, which is another thing that's funny is my brother and I were watching this, and my dad, when we were growing up, he recorded everything. So we went through and like it kind of sparked us to go back and pull out all these old VHS tapes. And I've been going through them, and my brother's converting them over to digital copies, and then I'm going through like documenting what they all are. So a little, a little preview i guess or foreshadowing i'm gonna have some old footage of uh me growing up dealing with video games nice i still have to go through them what i the two things that i really want is i want footage i hope he has footage of me and my brother playing contra because we used to play the crap out of that and then i like now i got the world record so it'd be really cool to just go back and you know see why it was so easy for me because i played the crap out of that game and then I guess uh, the other thing would be when I got the Nintendo. I don't know if he recorded that. I was so young. I think I was like four years old when I got the Nintendo. So I don't know if he'll have that recorded, but I uh, definitely want to see that. You mean like a Christmas unboxing? Is that when you got it? it? it well, I looked at the Christmas the year that it would have come out, and it's definitely not Christmas. So I don't know. Maybe it, my mom thinks it was Easter. We might have got or, or okay. a birthday. I don't know. But the thing is, my yeah. dad literally recorded everything. So we have like hundreds of hours and i'm gonna have to go through he probably has i bet you he probably has 200 hours recorded on his uh and he had that big camera on it like like those big massive cameras that you remember you know yeah yeah i used to love mine it was huge yeah i used to actually watch movies on my camera because you can watch it in the eyepiece because i wasn't allowed to get up (laughs) at middle of the night and watch movies in the living room on the v- VHS. So I would take the tape and sneak it in my room and then I would just pop the tape in there and watch it in the eyepiece, black and white eyepiece. There I am watching like, you know, Jaws or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Dude, that is hilarious. I'm like, Dying. the next morning I'd be like, one eye 
I would be all swollen and red. My mother would be like, what's wrong with you? What? What's wrong with your eye? I don't know. I watched, I watched a movie through this little eye hole for two and a half. <laughs> two hours. I've got this black ring around my eye. Denied oxygen for two hours. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. Well, yeah. I mean. Uh... All right. So Goldberg's definite thumbs up for the Goldbergs. Take a look at it. Yeah, I guess next we'll go into some listener questions. We got a couple. Um, I guess we'll get through these. Uh, the first one was John Glendening, and he wrote he wrote us on Facebook and says, "If you could star in any video game, which one would it be and why?" And he says, "His would be to be one of the main three characters in Grand Theft Auto Five. So we'll let we'll let you answer this one first. What what character or what world would you like to be in? Okay. Everybody knows my my Dragon's Lair fetish, so I'm going to just disregard that. I would not want to be Dirk Dadarian. So that's how. Just assume that's who you would say. Everybody would assume I would say that, and that's a good guess. But just because of that, I'm going to go counterclockwise and say, no, not Dirk Dadarian. Okay. But uh, I thought about it. I was like, who can I be? And I want to be cool. I don't want to be, you know. So I said, ah, Simon Belmont. That's who I would be, the vampire killer from Castlevania with my whip and my short leather skirt. There you go. Simon. <laughs> As his second runner up, I'd be Leisure Leisure Suit Larry. Oh yeah. I I could totally see you fitting in that game. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I should have guessed. I mean that'd be a perfect fit for you after all the stuff you bring up. <laughs> so how about yourself? See, you took it as you were going to be the character in the game. When I read this question, I kind of took it. says if you could star in any games, it's so you're the star. Yeah, I know, but I imagined that it would be myself in the game. No. So the two no. games that okay. I thought were more like world-oriented, and I was thinking if I could have myself thrown into a game, the first one that came to mind was Super Mario Galaxy 2. And just, I mean, mm. if if I could be myself in that world with all the gravity effects and all the everything that comes with Mario games that would be a freaking blast so you'd be flying around leaping and chasing drones and everything's so colorful yeah chasing drones <laughs> chasing drones so that's the first one and then the second one i was thinking of is flower which isn't really a good fit but that game is so so awesome i just imagine flying around like that i i would love that it's yeah. like the most peaceful thing ever so those are my two answers. Yeah. So I, I see a theme. You want to fly around. I see. Yeah. That. You ask okay. me tomorrow, and it could be totally different games. You know. <laughs> but those are the two that right. I thought of. Nice. The next question comes from Waylon Smith, also on Facebook. He says, "Have you ever genuinely been scared by a video game?" And he says, "I've not been scared by much, but I've been putting in putting in extreme state of panic." What's the difference? Oh, I could totally get that difference. Uh. Because I don't really get scared. Like when I when I play through a game, it's more of a startling or shock factor that that I would consider getting scared. I don't actually get creeped out. A lot of people play the play horror games, and then after they're done playing, they're still creeped out. Like stuffs in their place, or you know things. Like that. Oh, okay. So I mean that's how I took it. But uh, for hmm. me, the, the I mean I have three that came to mind. The first one is those Resident Evil dogs. Everybody mentions it. When you play through Resident Evil and the dogs jump through yeah. the windows, everybody yeah. pretty much shits yeah. their pants. <laughs> that's that's the classic. I, I mean, that's what I thought of. I didn't put it down because I know you thought of yeah. that. But yeah, that's that's definitely probably the 
icing on the yeah, cake. Yeah, everybody always says that one, so I didn't really want to count that one as a major one. But another one is in Silent Hill. When I mean, that one was an atmosphere that was just creepy. You have the fog all around you, and in the very beginning of the game, I'm talking about the very first one, you get this radio, and it when uh, when enemies are near you, it starts to get staticky and stuff. And just that suspense was really creepy, and that's one of the games. I mean, that's one. Of, that's why Silent Hill is one of the top horror games ever made. It just created that atmosphere where you're going through the level and you can't see anything because it's covered in fog. And yeah, then yeah. you hear these sounds, and they used all the sound effects really well, and it just creates a, a huge element of suspense. And it was it was just creepy. Yeah, the anticipation is even more than the action. It's great. Yeah, and one more, which is totally different. I was playing Eternal Darkness, and I mentioned this in the first episode of the of the podcast. I didn't mention this specific thing. But they the game totally messes with your mind, and it tricked me into thinking that my game save was totally erased. <laughs> and I flipped out. I remember sitting there, and it's not like the game scared me in the normal way. I was like, dude, I've been playing this game for 10 hours and you're gonna my save file's gone. <laughs> so it, it lies to you. It tells you it's oh, broken. Yeah. Or something. It messed with me real bad, and I totally fell for it. I didn't know what was <laughs> going on, but I was legitimately scared in a different way playing that game. So, how about you? Well, I, I generally don't play horror games so much. I don't actively seek horror games. Uh, I, I am a fan of all the apocalyptic zombie games. But they give me not a fear so much, like you said, not a, a frightened, but it just makes me feel mm, like uneasy inside. You know, just that creepy, just uh, the world could be like this. It just so that kind of freaks me out. But if you're going to actually say, well, you were scared for a brief moment, I think fear too. The, the little girl in that, I can't tell you how many moments in that game, it just frightens me a little bit. Like she's just so. Ah, something about little children. I mean, horror movies use it over and over. Little children that uh, their heads turn upside down or they're just victimized or their eyes roll over. Just something really creepy about the innocence of a child being perverted in that way. <laughs> yeah. See that? Yeah, horror movies do it all the time. Little kids are creepy. All the time. They... No. Yeah. All right. Another question okay. came from uh, PC Wizard 13 and uh, he, he wrote on Twitter – and first of all, he said anything Dreamcast. He That's what his whole YouTube channel is about, is Dreamcast. So pretty much he asked the question, how about talking about some unknown underrated games for any system? He says it doesn't have to be Dreamcast. So what about you? What do you got some uh, underrated games for us? Well, I mean, I know he wants the Dreamcast. And uh, underrated for the Dreamcast, in my opinion, I used to love, if you remember, I don't know if you do, do Wacky Racers. Do you remember that game? Sadly, Dreamcast is a console that I did not have growing up, so my, my Dreamcast okay. collection is pretty limited. Okay, well, PC Wizard might appreciate this. Uh, it was a is a, a car racing game, but it was based on an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon from the late 60s, early 70s, where you had all these weird characters. Uh, Dick Dastardly and Muttley were in one car, and it was just a lot of fun, and it was in cell shading. If you remember back in the day, that was like all the rage where they would have like flat 2D kind of images that looked very cartoony. Uh, I thought that game was excellent. I used to play that constantly. Uh, definitely an underrated game for the Dreamcast, in my opinion. But, all right, moving along. Um, PSN, 
Papo and Yo, P-A-P-O and Yo. This game is based, uh, it's kind of like Ico, where you're a young child and you have a monster that is helping you and following you throughout. But this, the reality of the game, the creator made this game based on his life with his father, who was an alcoholic. And the monster represents his father. And it opens up where you're hiding in the, in the closet in your house and you're looking out the little slits of your closet door and an actual monster, a physical monster, will walk outside stomping around. And throughout the game, the monster is helping you, but he eats – and I think this is based in South America if I remember correctly. He eats little frogs and when he eats a frog, he becomes a flaming, crazy beast that tries to actually physically hurt you. And that was his father in real life when he would drink. So throughout the game, there's a lot of puzzles, and he has to find a way to cope with his dad. There's a little girl that represents his sister that his dad will pummel and beat up as, as the monster. You know, It really plays with your head, and if you get to the end of it, it's, it's very heart-wrenching and sad. And I'm not going to give it away, but it's an excellent game. Definitely underrated. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. Of course, you know, I love Eco. Everyone always wonders. You, I say Ico. I've, I've watched videos where it says Ico. It's, it's Eco, right? It's definitely Eco because in the, Japanese version, yeah, we'll, we'll... in the Japanese version, they actually say the name. And it's Eco. Everybody always writes me because, you know, I did a review of Shadow of the Colossus in Eco. Everyone always yeah. writes me and they tell me that it's supposed to be Ico. And I always tell them, like, you can hear in the Japanese one that it's actually, like, the voice actually says Eco. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, anything anything related to that style of game, I'll, I'll definitely check out. And especially indie games, I love. It's really good. You would like it, Dinky. You would really like it. All right, yeah, the first one I have is Mad World on the Nintendo Wii. And this game, I didn't see it coming at all. I didn't think it was going to be a really good game. And it is one of the... Well, it's a mixture of one of the funniest games that I've played, mixed with absolute gory brutality. Have you seen videos of this game? No, no, I I, I didn't get a chance to look it up. Tell me a little bit more Basically, about it. Basically, it's all done in black and white, and you go through, it's almost like a comic book style, 3D comic book style uh, hack and slash, essentially. And you're going through, and you just beat the crap out of things. It's like one of those old school beat-em-ups. And you just beat the shit out of things, and it's gory as hell. There's blood everywhere, but everything else is in black and white. And the best thing about this game is, as you're playing through, there's this commentator, two commentators that are pretty much announcing what you're doing, because you're basically in an arena as you play through Uh the game. And they are absolutely hilarious. If you don't like swearing, if you don't like raunchy humor, don't play this game. But as you play through, I, I was just howling throughout the entire game. So that's what... It sounds so weird to be on a, on, a, on a Wii. It doesn't sound like a Wii kind of game, a Nintendo it's game. It's one of the first games. It's been out for a while. I mean, you can get it for like $10 now. And it's one of those games where everyone was like, why is this on Nintendo? Definitely, I mean, if you guys haven't played it, you can get it really cheap at GameStop. And it's just, it's just a silly game. You know, there's not a ton of plot. You just go through and beat the crap out of stuff and listen to the funny announcers. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, for me, the next one I'm going to mention, it's an indie game I'm playing on the PC. It's on Steam. It's called Night of the Rabbit. And it's based kind of like on a 1990s adventure game where you would have an inventory, you pick stuff up. It's really, really drawn, hand-drawn, really nice. I'm a big stickler for the, the, the animation on all these games. 
And it's set in a world where there's magic. And I want to give too much away. Uh, you play a young boy and you're, you want to be a magician. And the fact that you want to be a magician is destroying another world where magic is kind of sucked out. It's really well drawn. It's executed really well. The only thing that annoyed the hell out of me is when you first started the tutorial. And unless I f- missed the way I had to stop the tutorial, it walks you through so slow. I mean, everybody knows how to do these games. You know, right mouse button, left mouse button. You could figure it out in two seconds, and they dragged it on way too long. But it was still really nice to watch. Um, that's something you might want to check it out. Uh, it's, uh, I think, $15, Night of the Rabbit. Yeah, and one of the things about that game, especially, uh, I I looked it up, and it reminds me, I mean, for people trying to get an idea of what it's like, it reminds me of Professor Layton. It looks very similar to that. They they must have been paying tribute to it, because they even have the same hat that Professor Layton wears. I mean, I swear it's like the same hat. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, it's a very similar style game. It's point and click. And, uh, yeah, definitely definitely a cool one, which, I mean, I haven't played it yet, but i I got to look into that because, I don't know. I, I could tell. I watched a little bit of video, and it seemed like they were going through. They were like, here's a radio. You can right-click or left-click on this radio. And I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, I know man. how point-and-click games work. Yeah, I, I don't want to make it sound like that's that's a bad part. It's just that tutorial was crazy, yeah. crazy long. Didn't need to be that And long. I actually watched in the beginning that, you know, some of that stuff was going on. But, I mean, later on, they have some... I mean, it had some nice looking, uh, I don't know if it would be graphics, I guess. Like, I saw one, I don't even know what it was, a big tornado type thing in the background. Yeah, no, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous, and these indie games are really shining. I love them. Yeah, that's that's a good one. And then for for me, I'll go over my next two in a row here. Uh, the first one is Jackal on the original Nintendo. And people always bring up uh, co-op games, you know, and that, honestly, Jackal is one of the coolest co-op games i i mean it would be in my top 10 probably of all time i mean i i just have a blast playing it basically you drive this tank around it's made by konami and uh you drive this tank around and you go through and you just build up your tank as you get these uh you're trying to save um soldiers and basically you drive around and blow crap up and you go through and you can upgrade your tank so every upgrade you get you can shoot more powerful originally you shoot one bullet then you get two bullets and then you get like this bomb and it's just a really fun co-op game and then another one on the nintendo is adventures of lolo and not many people that i talked to have actually played these games and back on the nintendo i remember i rented them when i was young i still like them now they're a big puzzle game and basically you have to go through this huge tower and you have to solve a puzzle on every single floor and uh it's just a really cool game. It'll re- it's a really good puzzle game. One of the best puzzle games I've ever played. So those are those are two underrated ones that I'd say. Well, wasn't that a series? Wasn't Lolo like a series of games? Yeah, I know on the Nintendo they have uh, three of them, and the oh. first one you can get for cheap. There's, I mean, they go up in price as they went on. So Adventures of Lolo three, I still don't own. I have one and two, but Adventures of Lolo three costs quite a bit. But the first one you can get for probably ten bucks. And actually, you could download it on the uh, virtual console, too. So that leaves me with my final game. It's a PC game that's also available on Steam. I saw this maybe about a month ago, meant to look into it, and some time went by, and then I remembered it again. It's called The Stanley Parable. And I said, okay, what's this about? And after watching the introduction video, I still had no clue what it was about. 
but in a good way. It purposely tries to confuse you on what the story is about. And if you like dry British humor, like uh, Monty Python or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, if that at all interests you, you would, you're going to love this game. It, it mixes that with maybe uh, uh, Portal, where you're, you're walking into rooms and popping out of other rooms. It's very humorous, plays with your head. It's all done tongue-in-cheek. Um, graphics are not anything spectacular, but definitely you don't need it. It, it, it. It's enough to get you really interested, and the narration is excellent, really, really good, and it's kind of talking you through it, and it's very, very funny. So if you get a chance, take a look at that or at least some videos of it. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean... It does remind me of of Portal, and I mean it's a it's a Source Engine game, so people can probably imagine what the graphics look like and all that. And uh, right, one thing that I thought was really cool, I was watching some of the footage from it, and because uh, you you told me to check it out, and I looked, and I was like, right in the very beginning, you're like, what the hell is going on? And I'm watching the footage, yeah. and I'm like, usually a game where stuff so like this game just follows this this style of you don't know what's going on and you can tell that the creator wants some kind of theme to come out in the game basically it, it brought up like with most major games now they just force you through this funnel and they funnel you through the game and you don't really have any free will or choice in a lot of the games now and that's one of the things that this game really wanted to focus on and it's it's just it's just really cool how how they did it and yeah the voice acting was awesome but uh all right, we'll go into the last question. This one's from Yokorama Talks, and he asked this on Twitter. I wanted to ask, what do you prefer in the recent generation games, single player or online multiplayer? What do you like, John? Okay, if I'm going to play with close friends like you, I'm okay with playing with the multiplayer. But generally, if I have to play with complete strangers, hell no. I would rather play single player games all day, all night. Huh. That's yeah, I could I could see that because I every, every podcast I mean you're talking about all the games and you're always all about the single player which is which is cool even in like even in online games even we were talking about Ultima and you're like yeah I like to go through and do the do the quests and all that you know I, I you know I I've played multiplayer games I just I don't find the enjoyment that most people do I kind of think my mind is wired differently uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff things that most people think are the greatest. I don't have the an interest in things that are like, for instance, the Stanley Parable. It's a very different game. It's probably, you know, 10% of people would find it fantastic. And I think that's great. I, I go the other direction all the time. Yeah. For me, I would say, I, I mean, I don't even know. It's, it's kind of like a situational thing. If I'm playing a first-person shooter, it's probably going to be online multiplayer. I mean, I, I played Battlefield 4. And pretty much that came out, and I played half of the first mission, and then I just switch over to playing multiplayer. And I mean, it's right. just one of those things. First-person shooters, maybe it's the way that they're made a lot of the times now. Like Halo, I really like the story. I mean, it's fun to play through, but multiplayer is where it's where it's really at on those. But anything other than first-person shooters, single-player all the way. Like Uncharted, stuff like that. I don't even check out. I don't even check out the multiplayer. So. I mean, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a mix because I the first person shooters I love the online battlefields I love the team oriented aspects of it, but other than right. that, I just like the I just like the single player. 
Yeah, I do feel like I'm missing out on a lot of that cooperative element, you know, where it's a team where you have to make a strategy to you know, get the objective. And I know I'm missing out. I know I am. But uh, I, the pressure, I'm not a great player when it comes to that kind of stuff. First-person shooters, I'm horrible. I'm horrible. You always at say them. that. I want to yeah. see you play. I am. Dude, I, if I turn the mouse too quick, I can't find the door. And people are yelling at me, go to the left. It's right there in front of you. I'm like, where? Where? I'm looking left. I'm looking right. I'm looking up. What are you looking up for? The door is not up. And I'm like, ah. So I always feel like I'm holding the team back. You know, I'm like the, the, the lame duck of it. So I don't need that pressure. I'm going I'm so to have to put you through training. I don't know if you watch my old videos. I put my brother through training. He was trying to play Call of Duty. And I yeah. actually recorded videos and posted them on YouTube, training a noob. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, he went through and I told him, I was like, okay, I'm not going to use a gun at all. And I just chased him around with a knife and I still crushed him. And then once he actually (laughs) started killing me a couple times, then I upgraded to a pistol. And then when he started killing me with that, then I upgraded to a normal gun. I got his kill death up to like 0.8 or 0.9. So he started started, uh, learning the game. You see, and you want me to play with you? Forget about it. You're never going to get me in a multiplayer Why? game. Why? I could, I could show you how to play. It's not like you actually suck at them like innately. You can learn how to play a multiplayer game. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I really do suck. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Oh, I don't know. That's funny. <laughs> I don't know. I get nauseous walking on catwalks. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was some user questions. I mean, we always like user questions. It's cool seeing. I mean, a lot of these things that people ask, I would never even think about talking in the podcast. So it's really cool just getting those ideas. So yeah, leave leave questions on Facebook. Is Facebook's usually the best one. Uh, Twitter a lot of the time, and then uh, on YouTube too when we put these uh, podcasts up. But speaking yeah. uh, speaking of like interaction with listeners and all that stuff. I've been getting a lot of people signing up using my collection manager on the website. And it, I mean, it's really cool. I'm, I've been talking to a lot of people about it. People are putting in crazy collections. So far, the games are up to about 25,000 games entered into it. And the value of the collections from the users on the site is like $280,000 worth of games. That's and I mean, I don't even have that many users yet. So I just thought that was really cool. I'd like to. Uh, I've I've been working on some stuff on there recently that I think hopefully people will like. Uh, mainly, I've been building them for my own benefit. Uh, one thing I'm going to be working on next is. Uh, I mean, you've used Pandora, right? Yes. Okay, so I always listen to Pandora at work, and um, you know, I mean, I just listen to the same songs over and over again, and you can create different playlists and stuff. And I was getting a little bored of listening to the same songs, so. On my site, I made it so people can upload their top 25 favorite video game songs. And a couple people have been doing it. And I started listening through my list. But, you know, there's only so many times I can listen to the same 25 songs over and over again. Right. So what I did is I added it so that, first of all, people can like songs on other people's uh, profiles. And then also, you can add them to your playlist. So what I've been doing is I go through and listen to songs that other users have added. And I can thumbs up them or I can add them to my playlist. And I'm going to try and make like a, a video game Pandora, basically. And, uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it's been pretty cool so far. Like, I mean, at work, I, I have uh, it's up to like two and a half, three hours worth of music now. So I'm going to hopefully hopefully people put more of them in. I think I'm going to import a lot of the uh, OC Remix YouTube videos. Yeah. I don't know. It's been pretty 
That's a really good idea. That's excellent. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, I mean, I listen to video game music all the time. I don't know if normal people do, but usually <laughs> if I'm listening to music, it's not really going to be, I mean, even my uh, my Pandora, it's it's a Yoko Kano playlist. I started it out from Yoko Kano for the Cowboy Bebop anime songs, and then all the yeah. songs that are in it are either anime or video games. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just the stuff that I listen to, and I figured if I'm doing it, other people probably want to, and... I've never seen anything out there like it with just video game music, so it's a cool new project I'm going to start on. Isn't the uh, the main theme song from Cowboy Bebop, wasn't that called Tank? Yeah. I love that yeah, it's a good song. One. That's awesome. <laughs> Tank is a great song. You know what's funny? I never watched that show Archer until just recently. The intro for Archer is totally a parody on, on Cowboy Bebop. Yes. I never, like, my cousin showed me, and I was like, Holy crap, they totally took that intro from Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> nice. So I'm, I'm working on some other features on there. Uh, I, I set it up. Like, the, the playlist thing is already available. Uh, it's It looks great, and I'm just, like, impressed that you just got so much gone on so long so quickly. It's amazing. Yeah, and I keep saying this, but sometime soon I'll make a YouTube video explaining how it works. Because I, I haven't showed anything on YouTube about it, really. But I don't know. That's because I'm anal. I'm like, I don't want to show it until it's completely done, but it's never going to be done. It's just going to keep improving, you know? Yeah, speaking of uh, improving things, you're going to be improving your basement over there, right? <laughs> if- well, right now, I've, I, I've got the desks down here, obviously, and the kids have a corner of this place set up that they can play. They're not here, obviously, now. And I've got another huge area that I'm going to put my TV and a couch and probably a small fridge for beer so yeah i'm looking forward to doing that and then i have a spare room that we're gonna fix are you recording now or not yeah and the reason that i brought this up is kind of because you can tell you have a slight echo a little bit before the podcast i wish i had recorded it man kid was showing me this he he actually showed me the video and he put up a cardboard barrier (laughs) behind himself and I was like, oh, that might cut the sound a little bit. But it, it seriously reduced the echo by like 80%. <laughs> yeah, because this, this whole area is empty and I've got ceramic floors, no furniture except my desk. So it's just a, a cave in here and it echoes. And so I put up this big cardboard box behind me. <laughs> I look like a, I don't even know what this looks like. Uh, I'm living in a, in a box. It's as, as if I'm a homeless guy recording a podcast from my box. I was cracking up, man. Because, I mean, you when we first started talking, because, I mean, you moved in and I haven't talked to you on Skype since, I mean, you didn't have your stuff set up. So talking yeah. to you today, there's this echo. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to rig this up. So he, I hear, he's like, he comes down and he, there's all this rustling in the background and I only have audio. So he's like, yeah, don't mind this. I'm just going to make some noise over here. And then he shows me in video, and it's just like this big-ass cardboard thing behind you. <laughs> and it, hey, it probably says dining room behind it on the cardboard. Yeah, it worked. You still have a tiny bit of echo, but it, it pretty much got rid of all of it. So that's sweet. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I'm good for rigging stuff up like that. That's good. What else you got going on over there? Well, talking about the basement, I, I've got a small room in the back that I don't know what to do with. It's too small to do anything really in it. Um, but I said, oh, you know what? This would be really great to make a, a little sound soundstage room. 
But again, I have the same problem. If I'm in a little room with ceramic floors, it's about five by six. Studio um, you're going to have over there. Yeah, I'm going to have a little studio. I'm going to do some voiceover stuff. I'm going to really push hard to do some cartoon voices and some narration and whatnot. Nice. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I've got some contacts. And I could do it the way I have it set up now with my cardboard box behind me that you recommend. But, but I think I could do better. So I went online and I found some acoustic foam, which is basically that, that egg crate foam that you might have seen. But it's uh, sound absorbing, so you have to basically put it on the walls. So I, I ordered it. It's going to be here uh, in two or three days. It's like to cover that, it's like $300 in foam. And we're going to put that on the walls. And I've got a, a microphone stand. I've got another mic besides the one I'm talking now, all ready to go. I'll hook it up to a laptop. I'm going to have a, a stand for my copy to be read off of. And maybe I can put my iPad there if I'm going to read copy off of that. And hopefully we'll have a little side thing going on. So that's my hope with that room. Yeah, that's cool. Got more than me, man. I'm sitting in my yeah. normal desk over here. Well, what, what I did, though, unfortunately, see, I had to be special because I, the whole basement is a nice shade of blue a very nice pale blue so the foam is gray and i said i'm in a little tiny five by six room i'm going to make it this dark gray i'm going to feel claustrophobic not that i have claustrophobia but eh. so but i found a company that has the foam in color so i i ordered a nice blue color to kind of match the whole thing but that takes extra time so i'm waiting for that to come otherwise i would have had it by now oh that's probably worth it though i know the gray you're talking about yeah that's yeah it's it's just gray you see it in recording studios you see yeah it's like a charcoal gray you see it in mu- musicians places uh this will be a nice pale blue and i don't want to glue it to the wall so what i'm going to do is i guess i'm going to get some paneling from home depot and just glue it to the panel and then kind of hang the panel on the wall from hooks so that if I ever want to convert it back, I'm not ripping foam off the wall directly on the on the sheetrock, messing it up. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be cool. I saw your recent video. You were putting up the uh, top arcade uh, arcade games. That was a good video, man. I liked it. And, and it's since, oh, thank you. It, what was it, 75 to 79, right? Yeah, I'm going to go through, you know, 1975 to 79 and, and do all the way up till today. So I did 20. And what's amazing is what you learn when you research. I love finding out these little little tidbits of information that you didn't know, uh, and it makes it so entertaining. So, yeah, no, I, I've started this new series. It seems popular. People like it. Uh, everybody's doing these top 10, top 20s. Uh, so, hey, I jumped on the bandwagon, too. I've got something to say about that. Yeah, and I so. mean, I, I especially liked it because I had never seen any of those games. So it was really <laughs> cool for me because, I mean... I wasn't alive in 75 to 79, so, I mean, I never looked into those arcade games, so that was really cool. And I played arcade games, but not nearly as many as you did, so I'm, I'm looking forward to see some of the later ones. The only games on that list that I actually physically played as a young kid was uh, Superbug and Fire Truck, I think. Those are the only ones I physically oh, played. Fire Truck the- looks so difficult. Isn't that crazy? This is what I was saying. Back in the day, they had no restraints. They, it's, it's, you, you sit down in a, in a video game, you're playing a car, and then they're behind you, someone else is playing on another steering wheel. So two people are playing co-op. And one guy is driving the front of the fire truck, and another person is driving the rear of the fire truck, like those really long ones. It's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, it looked, it looked pretty difficult. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely a fun game, though. It was You can't see that stuff today. It's just not happening. Yeah. It's good. So, cool series. Yeah, looking forward to more of that. And then, of course, yeah, I, once you got your studio going, that'll be awesome, too. 
yeah, I'm hoping to pump out these videos at least once a week. That's where I used to be, and that's where I want to be. Oh, that's a lofty goal. <laughs> I know. With two kids. I didn't have two kids back when I started. That's the problem. Yeah, they must have so, gone to sleep. I haven't heard sleep. them uh, running around over there recently. Yeah, it's after 9. 9 o'clock is their bedtime. I also took the missus recently out shooting to a gun range. What, the first time? The first time she ever shot a gun. Uh so we, we went out there and we rented a couple of guns. I rented a, a 1911, if you're familiar with that. It's a, it's a big honking 45. And uh, I shot this thing and she watched me shoot it and she was like, uh-uh, no way am I touching that gun. Because it's, it's so big and the recoil is huge. Yeah. So I said, all right, you know, we'll get something a little bit more, uh, you know, your style. So we went back and we, we ended up getting a Glock for her. So she, she went and got a Glock 9mm. And I tell you, she did pretty, really good for a first-time shot. She, she hit the target dead on. Uh, it was really cool. Maybe I'll, I'll send a picture we can put up and show the targets. But we have uh, the actual targets with us. It's really cool to see her shoot. Yeah, that's sweet. Like what, how she actually did. You mean the targets? Yes, like we actually bought special targets that when you hit them, uh, you, you can actually see, like it makes a splatter on the paper. So you know where you oh, hit. Yeah. So we actually took them with us. Yeah. And, it, you know, this is my funny thing. You know, I am terrible at first person shooters. I, I don't even really actively seek to play first person shooters, but I like to shoot. Like I did completely different. This is what I say when people say, oh, shooting first person shooters, Call of Duty, it's going to create a mass murderer who's going to want to go out in the real world. I, no. Again, I don't see any connection. I don't even want to shoot a video game shooter. I'm horrible at it. I can't play, but I'm a pretty good shot in real life. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Maybe you'll have to teach me. Oh, dude, I, that would be a blast. I'd be howling. We'd have to record a Rain. video of it. <laughs> No, don't. <laughs> All right, so what have you been playing? You've been playing a lot of things. Let's get to that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a little while since we recorded, and uh, I played it a while ago, and I played uh, Beyond Two Souls. And I wrote an article on this on my website, and there were people who liked it and people who didn't. I thought this was one of the worst games I've ever played. I thought it was so terrible. And there are so many reasons I could go into why it was terrible. The main ones I'll just go over. First of all, the game, basically everything you do has no effect on the game. You could make any choice you want, and it's still going to happen the same exact way. The thing is, this game was made by the creators of Heavy Rain, and I loved Heavy Rain. I did. Yeah, that was a good game. Yeah, I really liked that. And in Heavy Rain, you would make decisions, and it would matter. You know, people would die. Stuff would depend on your decisions in this game. I mean, you could you could do whatever you want, and the same outcome's still going to happen. And another thing, honestly, the story was terrible. I thought <laughs> I, I could pretty much everything about this game I didn't like. And I, I posted an article. If you want to see why I didn't like the game, go check out on my site. I wrote an article on why it was so bad. And basically, there's one scene that just pretty much sums up everything. She goes to this birthday party. And the voice acting, and just everything about it was so terrible. And I know you heard some people who liked this game, right? Yeah, right. Because, I mean, Willem Dafoe is in that game. Not only voicing it, but it's his face. And, and Ellen Page. Yeah, they're both in there. Big, yeah, Big right. names. And honestly, big names. honestly, the voice acting was the best part of it. I mean, I feel bad for both of them because I would not want my name tied to this game. 
But uh, I don't know. Some people really loved it. So, I mean, I guess it's one of those uh, hit or miss games. I don't know. I rented it from Redbox because I wasn't sure about it. I'm glad I did. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. (laughs) All right. So, I'm going to stay away from that one. Uh, I'll I'll send you a clip. I'll, I'll post a clip up of that. See, I didn't play it. I just watched some footage of it, and graphically, it looked beautiful. You probably watched toward the ending, right? Um, you know, I don't know where I watched. I watched a video. It was there was a a, a cop. Um, I don't know. It just looked really good. I mean, obviously, real actors were acting that out, probably with those suits on, with all the little dots on their faces. So it, the movements looked fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where, yeah, how I mean, there could be decent graphics, but I mean, a game's a game. Like, the thing right. about Heavy Rain is people were saying it's like him trying to make a movie. And I totally yeah. see that because it is trying to create a movie experience. But with Beyond Two Souls, I mean, I might as well actually just go watch a movie because none of my decisions matter. <laughs> you know? But uh, I don't know. I won't, I won't rant about that game. Another one that I've been okay. playing was uh, Cave Story 3D. I bought it for the 3DS. And mm-hmm. Cave Story was a game made by one guy. I, I did a review of this on my uh, YouTube channel, too. It was an indie game originally released by this guy called Daisuke Amaya. He calls himself Pixel. And he released the entire game for free on PC, like, years ago. And um, the first time I played it, I downloaded it on the Virtual Console on the Nintendo Wii. And it's an amazing game. It's like a mix between... It's like Metroidvania-style And it has a really cool weapon system where as you kill enemies, you build up each individual weapon. And then as you take damage, your weapon loses its experience and becomes weaker. So it's just a really cool game. And the reason I want... But can you you actually die when you get hit at a certain point? Yeah, you can die. So your weapon gets weaker and then you die if it gets too weak? No, your health is separate as well. But, I mean, you can pick pick up hearts and then they have these other power-ups that power up your weapon. So you could have full life and still your weapons would be dropped down. But okay. I mean, it's it's one. Of the- that sounds like a good idea. I mean, that's that's a different kind of a, a system. I like that. Yeah, and it's a platformer. Yeah, yeah, side scrolling. And yeah, look up look up my review. Uh, the animation's really good. The sounds really good. Um, and the reason I bring this up now is because I didn't buy Cave Story 3D. I played it on the Virtual Console the first time, and I went. And I, and I wanted the 3D version, and I wanted to play it. And I went on eBay, and it was like 60 or $70. The game, when it first came out, sold for 50 So it's definitely getting up in price. I guess they didn't make a ton of them. And so I went on, and I looked up all the GameStops in my area, and a couple of them still had it. So if you want to play the game, go out to GameStop. You can get it for 20 or $25. And it's, I mean, it's selling for like 60 or 70 on eBay right now. Well, there's a tip from Dinky Dana. Yeah, because, I mean, that that's one that I wanted a physical copy for. And uh, another game that we both played was uh, Unfinished Swan on PlayStation Network. I thought that game was really good. I know you, I know you have some p- opinions on this one. What would you think of it? All right. Now, again, this isn't your average straightforward game. It's it's very surreal. It's, it's uh, how would you explain it's this arty, game? It's kind uh, of artistic style. It's very art, yeah. It's very artsy, and it's flat out beautiful. It reminded me a little bit of Epic Mickey. We talked about that because there's some paint that you have to use. The story goes: uh, you're a young boy. Your mother uh, is a painter, but she painted a million different paintings, but never finished any. Your favorite was a swan, 
she dies, you go to an orphanage, you get the painting, and then one day it's missing. You wake up and you go to a door that you never saw before and the adventure begins. It's really a, a sweet game. Yeah, and the coolest, the coolest feature of what pretty much is shown in all the trailers and, and pretty much everything that if you're looking into this game you're going to see is you start out in the first early levels and everything is completely white. You can't even see anything. It's just... No floor, no ceiling, no walls. Yeah, it's just a pure it's white nothing. screen and you hear your footsteps. And when you press the button, you throw out this glob of black paint and it splatters onto your surrounding and it starts to create the environment. And it creates the world that you're in. It's all there, but there are no shadows, so you can't see it. And as you throw this paint around, it splatters all over the world and it just puts into perspective which direction you're supposed to go, shows you where walls are. And just, I mean, the idea of it, when I saw the trailer, I was like, I got to buy this game and see what it's all about. So a lot of people have said that it seems kind of kind of repetitive in the beginning and from the demo. And I was really surprised as you play through the game, it really introduces a lot of cool ideas. They have one later that's kind of a 3D block platform section where you where you create platforms out of nowhere and build the level. And uh, they also had another section where it's completely pitch black and you have to. Yeah, they change it up a little bit, right? Yeah, and the variety was was pretty cool. I th- I thought it was a really good idea, and they had a lot of cool, like like you said, art- artistic ideas that aren't normally in video games. So it was a really cool download. Yeah, definitely worth it. It's it's not your adventure type game. Um, it's a game that you sit back, uh, enjoy. There are puzzles in it, and it it kind of tells a beautiful story. Definitely worth looking into. Yeah, and I mean, it's only a couple hours, which which is kind of nice with a game like this. I mean, I'd say it's probably only like maybe four to five hours, but I mean, it's a it's a really nice for what it is. It's uh, just a real relaxing game you go through. Well, I guess not for you because you said you died a bunch in the one section, right? Well, because like you said, it's either going to be all white. There are sections where it's all black. <laughs> And I, I told you, I can't walk catwalks in these games. I would fall off all the time. <laughs> Honestly, looking back on the game, I didn't even remember that you could die. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you fall and you have to respawn you know, in an earlier state. See, it's because you don't remember because you didn't die. That's the thing. I know. I need to, That's why you're a world game champion holder and I'm not. I need to watch you play some video games. I'd probably be dying laughing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's why I, see have you noticed i stick with the simple games from the 70s and 80s you know with just a couple of pixels <laughs> i think it's so funny because i always talk about games and i'm like this game was so awesome and you know it's it's not it's pretty easy game and then you're like this game was hard <laughs> <laughs> this game was good i finished this game in 12 hours 12 hours it took me three weeks <laughs> man <laughs> Another game I beat is, uh, which... Another game I beat? This, this yeah, is weird okay. for a podcast, because I hardly ever beat any games recently. But uh, I also beat, well, I got a couple more, but Batman Arkham City. And I know you like the Batman a... games, right? I do. I like I like the Batman. I don't like the latest Batman game, which was a piece of garbage. They got rid of Rocksteady, which I can't understand why. But this game was uh, fantastic. Yeah, I'm like this is your call. I'm like two years behind because I love the first Batman, and I mean this one. This one was just as good, if not better. The open world is is so awesome in this one. I mean, you can glide around. You have all the Batman tools. 
it was it was just really well done. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. The voices are great. Obviously, you've got Kevin Conroy reprising uh, his Batman role. Mark Hamlin is uh, the Joker, though he says this is going to be his last Joker. Yeah, I heard. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, he's tired of doing it. He's pretty good in there. That's an excellent game. But if you don't know, the next one is not made by the same people. They they changed it. I guess when they thought, you know, the franchise is so strong, we can now save some money and go with another company, which promised they, they could deliver. It's horrible. It's so buggy. I, I, I got rid of it. I gave it to my friend. Yeah, you wonder what they're thinking on that. You know, it's like... I don't I know. I mean, you have something really yeah. good going. I mean, the only reason you could think of is money, so... Money. It's got to be money, but, right? Hey, I mean, they, they released that one, and no one's going to buy a fourth one. So, I mean, if, right. if, if right. Batmans were like the first two, I would buy every single one that comes out. You know, like, there's no question. They're just, they're just that good. And they're, I mean, honestly, some of the best superhero games out there. I mean, I would buy every single one, but they switch up yeah. the stuff, and, yeah. you know, everybody knows how that goes. And <sighs> another one I've been yep. playing, which is... A, a big one is the new Zelda on the 3DS, Link Between Worlds. You've been talking about this one for a long time. Yeah, and it's basically the sequel to Link to the Past, which is one of the best games ever. Uh, personally, my favorites are still the original Nintendo, but I was really looking forward to this one, and I was wondering how they were going to do it. They came up with this new feature where you can merge into the wall, and then you could travel between worlds. And... It worked out really well. I was a little bit nervous about it. And they came up with some really cool ideas, which, I mean, Nintendo usually does with uh, their Zelda games. They always come up with with cool new things. Everyone always says they're the same games over and over, but they come up with some new ideas that are that kind of totally change the game around. So I really, yeah. I really liked it. It was really easy, and even for you, this one would be easy. But, uh, I mean, I think... <laughs> I, I heard, I heard, see, this is what I was about to say. I heard the puzzles were difficult. Are they difficult? No. no. You said they were easy. I didn't, oh, I didn't think they were difficult at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, well, let me think back. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm usually real. Difficult is the word I want to use. Maybe creative, maybe, is a better word. Were the puzzles creative? Yeah. Well, yeah, some of the puzzles were really creative. Um, the The main okay. thing that I could say, if people had problems with the puzzles... It'd be because you had to think that you have to merge into the walls, which in the very beginning, it was kind of confusing because I would be stuck in areas and I was like, how am I going to pass this? Because I didn't, I wasn't used to the concept of being able to merge into the wall, almost like a paper, paper. Oh, you mean when you flatten yourself on the wall and you basically become a 2D character and you can just walk across the wall? Yeah, because there would be a lot of things where you couldn't, I mean, you'd be in a dungeon and you couldn't travel to the other side, but... There, you could get along certain walls, and you'd ha- they'd be out of the screen, and you would have to just merge into the wall and then start walking, and you'd find passages. So it was yeah. it was really cool how they did it. The, I, I mean, I think it was it was a really well done game. And the thing that I liked about it too most probably is with Skyward Sword, and even even like Wind Waker, they had slow slow spots where you're playing through and you're just like. You know, I'm going to take a break from this game because, you know, it's it's getting a little slow and I'll come back to it later. This game didn't really have that. It was real fast-paced. It was it was simple, so you could choose where you want to go and you just go to a dungeon. And it wasn't like you had to travel across the entire world to get anywhere. 
So I think it was really, really smooth and put together well. Oh, because they had the the map that you can fast track back to different spots. Yeah, they had that you could teleport, and they also had which was which I kind of liked and didn't like. They had it set up where you can go to any dungeon that you want as long as you have the item for it. And they kind of got rid of the traditional Zelda item progression. Normally how Zeldas work is you go into the first dungeon and you can't beat it until yeah. you get the item. And then you get the item and you get right. to go to the next dungeon and you need all the items as you go through. Where this one, they have this rental system where you can rent the items in the beginning, but if you die, you lose it. And then after, as you play more, you can actually purchase the item and you can have it permanently. So later on in the game, you can own them all. But for me, I just grind out money and then I buy them all from the beginning. <laughs> you know? So it, kinda, yeah. it was kind of cool in the aspect that, you know, you didn't go into a dungeon and know what item you needed necessarily. But it also kind of stunk because that's like a typical Zelda quality, you know? Right. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a really cool game. Anyone who likes Zelda is gonna like this one, and anyone who doesn't like Zelda will, will probably like it too. Uh, anyone looking for a challenge, you're, you're probably not gonna find it in this one. Sounds good for me. Yeah, and then the last one is uh, Dust in Elysian Tale, and this is an indie game. It was made by one guy essentially. His name's Dean Dodrill, and pretty much he was he's like a self taught illustrator and animator. And he made everything in the game except for the soundtrack, and he had some help with the story. But basically, it's a it's a platformer mixed with hack and slash and also some RPG elements. And pretty much, he said his favorite games were, like, if you're thinking about if this is a game for you, his inspirations were from his favorite games Metroid, Golden Axe, and Ease 1 and 2. And you can def- nice. definitely tell all those are very very prevalent in the game and the artwork is incredible i mean you're you would definitely like it i I do i do you got to mention that you know all the characters they're not human they're all animals they're all anthropomorphic animals so basically they're furries but they're drawn really really well i mean if this game came out a little earlier it would be like mind-blowing but i i guess in the wake of all the the games today it kind of gets put to the wayside but uh it's really pretty. It's really good. I, I'm going to download it because when you mentioned it, I thought this was another game that you played. Uh, there's a game called Just Dust, and that's what I thought you were going to tell me you played. I was like, that's an old game. And then I realized, no, this is a different game entirely. I'm definitely going to download this one just the way it looks. Yeah, and the nice thing, too, the reason I downloaded it is because I was going through the deals on Xbox, and it cost $5 on Xbox Live, and it's also on Steam yeah. for 350 I mean, you can't beat. I mean, this. You can't beat that. No, it's awesome. It honest, I've probably played ten hours, and I beat games pretty quickly. And it's got ten hours worth of gameplay, and it, it's like a full length game. It almost reminds me of the, uh, like that uh, Miramasa the Demon Blade, and that's a full full price game. So I mean, it's it's a steal, and it's one of the better download games I've played. And I, I know you'll like it because you like all the illustrations and animation and stuff. <laughs> That's my long run of games that I played since our last podcast. <laughs> well, you've had the time, so that's good. Okay, awesome. I want to talk a little bit about the new systems that are coming out and what games I'm looking forward to on the new consoles. And three games uh, that I'm really looking forward to. Um, the first one being Mad Max. Uh, it's uh, sort of like the movie, 
Mad Max movies, but but not exactly a port from the movie. Uh, it's coming out in 2014. There's some photo shots. Uh, there is a video. I wish there was more to report on it. I just I'm a huge fan of all the Mad Max movies, uh, Thunderdome. Uh, basically, I think your your interceptor gets stolen and you're trying to recover it. It looks fantastic. Uh, you go to the Mad Max website to take a look at it. Um, yeah. So that's number one. What do you think of that? You saw some of those illustrations. What do you think? It really does look good. And I'm a fan of almost anything post-apocalyptic. And, I mean, this one, this one, it just looks really good. The graphics are, I mean, they look incredible, of course. But I, I don't know. I mean, anything post-apocalyptic almost all the games i've played in that type of setting they just have a they just have some sort of feel to them that i I really like i'm looking forward to it yeah it's supposed to be first quarter i believe 2014 unless it gets pushed um so that's number one another one i'm looking forward is thief now thief has been around since the 90s i think the first thief game came out in 98 um, I've had most of them. I, I didn't get the last one. And it's a lot of sell, stealth. I mean, it's probably one of the first stealth games that came out there in the beginning. But now that I'm watching it, I'm a little concerned. I still am going to get it. I'm still looking forward to it. But I'm concerned because it, it seems it's basically become a clone of Assassin's Creed where you're getting missions to steal things as opposed to getting missions to assassinate people. And if that's the case, uh, I think Assassin's Creed just pretty much is the top of the creme of the creme. Uh, I'm hoping there's a little bit more depth to it. So yet to be seen, I'm going to get it. I look forward to it. I like the franchise, but uh, I'm hoping it's just not a clone. Did you take a look at that one? Yeah. Now this is a series that I've always considered playing and I never did. I don't know why I I see them out at thrift stores and stuff and I should have bought them. I, I actually bought one, but uh, I never got a chance to play it. And the the older games looked really cool. And I saw the trailer for this one, and it, it does look more uh, like, yeah, you're going to go on missions and all that stuff. And what I'm kind of hoping is, I'm hoping the the first stealth game that I remember was Tenchu. I don't know if you ever played Tenchu. I believe the first one I played. That was the first one you played? I think the on PS1. first one I played was Splinter Cell. Remember Splinter oh yeah, Cell? I remember that too. Yeah, and that was a lot of yeah, stealth. Yeah, that's more like a Metal Gear Solid type of stealth, though. Like yes. Tenchu was still you're an assassin and you're gonna you're gonna go and kill people and assassinate people and stuff. And I'm hoping that this one kind of keeps some ideas from that because it does. It kind of looks. I'm hoping that it's not like a fetch mission game where hey, go collect these things from here and then come back, you know. But the graphics look really good, and it's all going to depend. I mean, we don't have enough information on it yet. And finally, <clears throat> this is a weird one. It's called The Order 1886. Um, the video that's on their website is really good. It's like a steampunk Victorian game. Basically, there are these uh, half-breed monster types that have been plaguing humanity for centuries. Uh, humanity outnumbers them, but because these guys are so strong, it's always been like a 50-50 battle. It goes through time. Uh, eventually, King Arthur, believe it or not, and his knights uh, have the best success in, in capitalizing. And as time even progresses, the knights inherit the names of King Arthur's knights, and they invent all kinds of modern weapons in a Victorian era. Like, they have walkie-talkies, and they have these pulse electric guns. The video that they play in the beginning is really cool. I was really impressed. It's like a... Um, I guess a, a tactical team that's trying to clean up these monsters and you get to play them. 
Um, so I'm looking forward to that one, too, because I like steampunk and I like the Victorian era. So I'm wondering how that's going to play out. Any thoughts on that one, Dinky? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of 50-50 on that one. I'm wondering where it's going to go. One thing that I did really like about what the developers said is they want their game to feel like there isn't really a difference between cutscenes and actual gameplay. And it seems like they're going to try and merge those two together where it feels like a cutscene, but you're actually still playing. Which, I mean, I know a lot of games do that, but from reading the description of what the developers said, it seems like they have a good idea where they're going to go with it. And I mean the set, the mm-hmm. setting's obviously cool, so it's it's got a lot of potential. I'm I'm looking forward to testing it out. Yeah, there are a ton of good games I'm looking forward to next generation. Can't wait to see what it has in store for us. But I guess that'll wrap up our podcast, episode 14 of Hit Reset Radio. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next month. Take care, guys. I've been using a keyboard for so many years, it actually hurts my hands to write with a pen. How sad is that? I forget what I was doing recently. And I was like, my handwriting is getting really sloppier. I just can't write anymore. (laughs) It's because we're used to keyboards. It's killing me. It's like I have arthritis.